Welcome to True and Unpolished, the podcast, a cuss culture production. Through this podcast, our intention is to uplift, inspire, and amuse. Let's get authentic. Hello, everybody. It's Lydia here with True and Unpolished. You are about to listen to a conversation that Mary and I have with Susan Yelverton about embracing and practicing self-compassion. I found this conversation to be so, so helpful, and I know that you will find it helpful too. She gives tips for and kind of steps for embracing this self-compassion that you'll be able to take with you and practice right away. Take a listen. Okay, Susan, tell us your story. Well, first of all, I want to thank you guys for having me. And um, I'm honored to be working with y'all today and talking to you and um, and pleased to be one of Mary's peeps um, in, um, in the legion of peeps that she has. And, I mean, y'all are awesome. Mary's peeps. I mean, I, I kind of feel like I'm one of Mary's peeps also. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you are one of my peeps, but um, yeah, Susan yeah. is uh, such a fun person to be around I mean and so much so bright and so joyful yeah such a light I'm so excited Mm -hmm. that you're here too so excited well I um was trying to think about this story to tell so I'm going to try and um and tell the story of my relationship with mindfulness and and most recently um a part of mindfulness that I'm discovering called self-compassion which um I would love to go back and give to my former self 10 years ago um, when I was at the beginning of my, um, honestly, I would love to go back and sprinkle, be the self-compassion fairy and sprinkle it um, all through my life. But um, I guess probably about mm, between 15, 12 and 15 years ago, I got really interested um, in mindfulness um, through making bead bracelets. And I started reading about um, faith traditions that involved meditation and mantras and kind of concurrent with that happening. Um, my stepdaughter, Sophie has something called Angelman syndrome, which is a, a chromosome deletion on the 15th chromosome. It's pretty rare. Um, but if you kind of look up the, the primary facet of Angelman syndrome is those children are particularly happy. That's what, that's sometimes how, you know, um, a child has Angelman syndrome, they, they smile a lot very early on and are happy and laugh. And, um, and I just had this wonderful, um, the universe gave me these two beautiful gifts at the same time, which was as my daughter got older and I got to know her better. And as I read more about meditation and Buddhism and Eastern religions, I just was hearing the same story told different ways. Yes. Um, and I last week um, on your last, I think, podcast, you were talking about like the confirmation bias that some people have of um, that Mary talks about the prover, that part that yes. looks for things. And um, Sophie, my daughter, just kind of she assumes everyone is her friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and children with Angelman syndrome um, have real Im- impact in cognition and don't have a lot of short term memory, which makes her a really good f- forgiver. Yes. She forgives quickly and, and will go and, 
and hold hands with people in public places that she's never met before. And, um, and she gives the best hugs. And just a professional and, um, and every year, um, for many years, we gave an angelman awareness walk in Columbia and there needed to be always someone that would prevent the children from hugging the people who weren't at the park for the walk. Cause they, I love it. um, but the miracle for me was watching people respond to her when she saw the good in them, yes. you know, people that were like irritated and in a hurry. And when she would reach out for them and, and smile and hold her hand and, or just giggle at them that I, just to see that, to be a witness to that really kind of, I think I opened my heart in a way that I was able to kind of take in information um, about mindfulness and I started meditating um and then what of course arose as is frequently the case with some really inconvenient information um, (laughs) that I like intentionally not wanted to hear which is that I needed to change jobs and so I went back to school to be a therapist and um and then had the wonderful fortune of doing my internship um with Mary um, at the, um, at a mental health center here in town. And I remember I was interning there and Mary was returning to the program. She'd been there before, but she was like the famous Mary, the art therapist and DBT. Yeah. The famous, the famous Mary. And, um, and they kept saying, yeah, wait till Mary gets here. Mary is great at DBT and she's got this art. And, and so I remember meeting her and I was about to go um, as a part of my schooling, I was about to go to Vietnam to um, visit a Buddhist monastery with a professor. Um, and part, yeah, it was, it was amazing. She uses what she knows about social work to help the monks in Vietnam do social work provision to people who come to the monastery. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was, it was great. And, yeah. and, and part of that was going to be to maybe see some faith healing. That the monks did, did and I remember saying that to Mary and I'd said it to several people and people have been like what yeah and I said it to Mary and I even I felt like a disclaimer I self I gave a disclaimer I was like this is a little this is a little weird but this yeah, is what yeah. I mean. and Mary was like oh girl I'm uh-huh. into that and I I was like, you are my new friend I already yeah. know it and so I felt so good um and she has just held me with such acceptance and love and has been such a teacher for me um and so um well I think that I mean that's what and this is why we wanted to have you on is I think that you would tell us that about Mary (laughs) you can Venmo me my hundred dollars yeah well you know our teachers are also our students and our students are also our teachers and I think that is one of the beautiful things about this friendship is that we've done that for each other um and sometimes not not even knowing it's not even intentional it's just it's just sort of happening organically yeah and that to me is when the best learning happens absolutely absolutely So you're, so, t- so you are now on your way to Vietnam to, to possibly see faith healing in the story? Um, well, that was, yeah, that was, I guess maybe 2014, 13, mm-hmm. 14. So I did get to see that. 
Um, and then Mary and I got to work together in the DBT program. And I went from being kind of a meditation doer yes, very quickly to a mindfulness leader. Yeah. Um, and maybe had some imposter syndrome, like I'm not ready to do sure. this still learning um, myself. But uh, since then I've worked um, in a hospital system doing mental health um, care, but always with a focus on mindfulness. Oh, that's um, wonderful. And in my experience, we teach what we most need to learn. I mean, that you know, yeah. and so it's, uh, it's such a, we're all, we're teaching and learning in every moment. I mean, that is, that is my experience too. Like I, I am, you know, my title is, a, you know, spiritual leader, um, which is minister equivalent. Um, and I've been given special dispensation while I'm actually going to school to be credentialed for it. So I'm actually doing the thing that I'm, being taught to do simultaneously. So I completely relate to that and, yes. and the recognition that, and, and, and the teaching is so helpful to my learning, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. I think you don't, you don't know it. And, and I was a teacher before I was a public school theater educator. So I think teaching is my orientation. Love um, that. And so it, it made sense that for me as a young person, theater was a safe place that helped me kind of try on other people yes. and that mindfulness has been a safe place for me to try on myself oh. you know, and I had to do first one, I think, and then the other. Um, oh, so beautiful. That's a really great way to say it. Yeah. Can you yeah. say that again? Cause that, so, cause I did okay. theater. Theater okay. was my great love. Um, so say it again. Say it one more time. Um, theater. So I, in theater, you know, we, we have the opportunity to try on different people to learn empathy by trying on different yes. Yes. Um, personalities, roles. Um, but we need a safe place for that in order yes. to do it, the art. And then in, in therapy and in mindfulness, we're trying to create a safe space so that we can try on ourselves, that we can kind yeah. of um, return, yes. return to um the self and I know that y'all y'all said something in your last podcast about that if you're if you have skinny jeans on and your hair is part yeah. of the side I think and you use yeah. the laughing cry and so I had done yeah. all of those when I saw I was like oh gosh there's me but yeah me too <laughs> in in the middle part of our life I think we kind of we need to tick off all the stuff that we put on yes. um, for other people. And so I think mindfulness is a real important piece of that to say, yes. to sit with the what's essential. And, and it's such a vulnerable time because and in my experience, you know, here at Midlife, it really is, I've, take, I've, I've taken it all off and now it's like, ah, you know, here I am. And, you know, there is this vulnerable piece to it. And, and it's almost like I needed 40 years to get the courage to do this, to, to really go, well, who, who is this girl anyway? Who is this gal anyway? Yeah. And, and this is where I'm guessing your self-compassion piece kind of comes in. Yes. Yes. And I, I guess as a, when I started teaching meditation, as much as I was doing it myself, you know, where Mary and I worked and then through um, the hospital system, 
I just kept hearing more and more people saying, I, I'm just not good at this. Like I don't, right. mindfulness was so personally helpful to me. Yeah. So I wanted to be a vehicle through which it came to people, but I was hearing over and over again, like, I'm not good at it. I can't yeah. hear my mind or something. And, and I totally related to it because yes, when we sit down, that's usually the first thing that kind of comes up is that's right. All the stuff that we've been running from, and I really are related to that kind of self aversion. Yes. Um, I see so many people in private practice now that really struggle with like going to sleep, not because sleep is an issue, but those mi minutes between when you put your phone down and you turn your light out. And, yes. and when you go to sleep, those are such scary minutes because there's nothing. Right. Except for you and your thoughts. And so to ask people to do that on purpose yeah. is it's a real big request and um yeah. so and shout out right now to all mm -hmm. the people listening that practice this because it takes yes. great courage to do this you know to to right. really be willing to be alone with your thoughts and and that's where the you know that compassion for yourself i i call it kindfulness because the recognition is as soon as you start with this mindfulness as soon as you become aware of these thoughts right behind it is the judgment for having them you know and and that and that's what takes us away from mindfulness yes what do you think mayor well i think that is a really nice way to say it and i think that is true i also think for me i had so much internal suffering pain mm -hmm. that there wasn't another way so once i found out about mindfulness um and i think that's kind of what susan was saying too but once i found out about it i knew that there wasn't another way was, it's not a choice right yeah. right so you know as far as the courage I think for me, it was, the pain was too severe yes. to be able to stay where I was. Sure. It. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And I think yeah. our, our soul gets to a place where we, we can't go back. You know, once we know, we can't right. unknow it, you know, yeah. so we can pause yeah. it. We can pause right. mindfulness for a minute. And, and then, you know, I guess that's where I would say the courage piece comes back in. Cause you got to go, okay. I'm going to go back to the pillow. I'm going to go back to the washing the dishes and, and watching those thoughts and being with them, you know, Chop wood, carry water. Yeah. Y yes. Yes. And I do think we get like that fierce grace sometimes of pain or difficulty that kind of tenderizes us, especially to be open for it. You know, as my therapist always says, you know, you didn't do it before because you couldn't do it. But now yeah. you can't right. do it. Right. And that's what my Angelou says. You know, yeah. until you know better, you know, you don't do better. And then when you know better, you do better. So I'm curious, Susan, what, how do you describe or what, what would you say the payoff to mindfulness is? Like what, what's, what's the payoff? What's on the other side of it? I can only, I guess, speak from my own experience that, um, that freedom I mean, yes you know right. no biggie but like freedom and and not probably like this consistent like running through the streets right naked <laughs> freedom, but just a little bit more space between me and my thoughts and more space between me and my behaviors 
um, and uh, just the wisdom of knowing that I'm not my thoughts and thank goodness. Cause they are weird. Yeah. Uh, they are I say so- it all the time. You don't want to be in here. Like you don't yeah. want to be in here. <laughs> and I don't take it as seriously. I don't engage yeah. in my judgments anymore. Like they have come straight from God to me and here's the truth about myself. And, and I guess that the self-compassion piece of it has been really important to me because if we're willing to sit quiet and allow what arises to arise, but the energy that meets that is super judgy or mean, mm-hmm. then we are not going to do it. We're just not going to do it. Yeah. Well, I think even as a mindfulness teacher, and I've been teaching this stuff for a long time, and I, I, I really do practice what I teach. Yes. And, and, um, and I, I think all three of us do that. Yes. <laughs> so I, I think right now I'm having a very vulnerable moment in my life and um, I have those periodically just like anybody. So there's a lot of self, um, I wouldn't say hatred, but maybe strong dislike, mm. <laughs> you know, so, and, or struggling with being just really hard on myself right now. So and I, I think that is true for a lot of people with the way that life has slowed down so much in the last year. Yes. So what would you, what do you suggest to work on self-compassion as a mindfulness practice? What, what strategies or tips do you suggest to people to, to, to work on self-compassion? Um thank you for that question. Cause I, first I want to kind of maybe give a little, um, copyright and, and, you know, disclose where I've gotten all this information from is I did a mindfulness teacher training for a couple years, um, that was led by Tara Brock and Jack. Uh, yes. And as part of that, and it was just wonderful. And I, I wanted more information about teaching And they just offered us so much information. But one of the people that kind of came in as a guest was Kristen Neff. And and self-compassion is that's her thing. Mm -hmm. That's her real focus. She and Chris Germer. And so when I when I heard her talk about taking the self-compassion break, um, and and kind of and I'll I'll tell you exactly because I wrote down the parts of it so I wouldn't forget. Yeah. Tell me self-compassion break. Love it. The self-compassion break is that we, we take the thing, the hard, painful thing, Mary, what you were kind of talking about a time where you're being particularly, um, particularly hard on your, you know, just, just this, whatever it is. Self-loathing or shame, judgment, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm just tired of myself. It's like, yeah. Like so over me. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And then the, the second part of it is like imagining that me or Lydia or one of your other peeps came to you and said, Hey, this is happening in my life. And you probably wouldn't then say, well, you should, pro-. I mean, I know you wouldn't because yeah. This has happened. I've brought you my suffering and you have not said, well, you, I'm a, I'm a little tired of you, Susan. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Get over your suffering. (laughs) Yeah. But to kind of conceive how you would treat this dear friend, all the things just so that you think of it tangibly. And then her first step says that you say 
in some whatever words me are meaningful to you this is a moment of suffering for me mm. i am suffering um or this really sucks or ow yeah yeah it's like honor it's uh, validating it it's like yeah. validating that this is happening to you you are suffering i am suffering yeah got it this, this is, is a moment of suffering for me i'm suffering right now um and that's kind of and then in that moment, and she talks about that, that normally that in that moment, we wouldn't even think about the suffering piece. We would just judge ourselves. Yeah. And so instead of judging ourselves to kind of hold ourselves um, gently, like we would hold a pal or a friend to say, you, you're like, you're suffering, you know, like think about the tenderest, tiniest little animal or something like that and imagine ourselves holding us in our suffering in that gentle way um, and to kind of come up with whatever language here I am this is me suffering and that's the self-kindness versus self-judgment she says is the first piece and then the second piece is um, thinking a thought along the lines of when I feel this way I, I, I join everybody else in suffering Maybe their suffering isn't just like this, but um, everybody suffers, you know, but not in a way to invalidate ourselves, but to, I know that for me, that I suffer most in the second place, because I will tell myself like, well, you should know better. Right. You tell people this all day long. What the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. And so, yeah. And so kind of relaxing into, yeah, I'm suffering because I'm a person and we suffer and and so that kind of common humanity versus feeling yeah. really isolated. Yeah. You know? yeah. I learned the great term when I worked in um, substance use and addiction and um, the idea that, that we can feel like we are terminally, terminally unique, you know, that yeah. I'm different, which is right. great when you're different, good, but is really not great when you're different, yeah. bad, you know? Yeah. And so um, the, so she says the self second piece is common humanity versus isolation. And then the third piece is imagining what you would need, what kindness. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think Mary, um, when we were talking before, I think you're already doing this, um, which is how, you know, what does that little hurt piece need? And then to yeah. do it for yourself, to do yes. the love, you're, you know, to hold your you know, yeah. and, and in their trainings, they, there's a lot of like embodied, like physical hugging of self or patting or holding or Susan's putting her hands over her face, right? Yeah. Now. Yeah. 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 Just um, our hand on heart. And, and I can say that in my experience, I've been doing a lot of work on, on really, you know, trying to embody um, my life. And um, at first, it was very difficult for me to hug myself or to, you know, put my hand on my heart. And, you know, one of the things that I would just invite people to do is just be curious about that. You know, don't judge that. Just be curious like, oh, isn't this interesting that I find it hard to hug myself or I find it hard to do that. Um, just doing that, um, even opens me up to compassion, like, oh, she, she can't hug herself, you know? Um, and, and that was helpful for me. 
But I love that. I love. So can you say the steps again? There, there are three steps, right? Have we, or is there another step? No, that's, that's, that's um, the first one is recognizing that it's a moment of suffering. Yeah. Um, in whatever way you want to. And the second is recognizing that that's, this is a part of life and it's human to feel this way. Yes. There's not something specially wrong or broken. Yeah. Um, and that the third part is kind of expressing care or concern in whatever way that, that you need, you know, okay. all of us are different and, and really kind of listening to that hurt, hurt part. And if that hurt part wants some juice, go get that hurt part, some juice. And if that hurt part wants a hug, you know, yeah. give yourself well, a hug I did, I went, I went into the health food store and got a bunch of organic. Yeah. Fruit. I was going to buy, they had a juice bar but it was closed down. So I was going to go get them to make me a juice. Plus I was going to buy a bunch of fruits and vegetables. (laughs) I just ended up with the fruits and vegetables, but I have a juicer and I have made, I made myself a tall glass of fresh juice. Yes. And before we started this, we acknowledged that the universe was actually, you know, looking out for Mayor because she's, uh, you guys last week, I think it was last week, we talked about the pause and, and Mary is, is in a pause. Is it okay that I said that Mary, we can edit it out if not. Um, but Mary's in a pause. And I think that she needed a doing because sometimes in the pause, we need to chop wood, carry water. So she got, instead of having somebody make her juice. She's making it. And, and, you know, conversely two days ago for me, I'm, I'm working through some really heavy um, emotional stuff right now. And what I did was um, I went and had someone wash my hair and blow it out. And then I went and got a pedicure. (laughs) And I haven't done those things in a long time. And it was, and I have to say that I did not immediately feel better. I I was very down um, when I did this and it did, I did not immediately feel upbeat. Um, But I can say that the next day I did. So that, that, self-care that level of hey Lydia I love you and I'm a, I'm gonna go let somebody else pamper you and take care of you um the the payoff did arrive the next day I could yeah. I could feel the uplift you know so maybe don't get down on ourselves if that self-care self-compassion takes a little while for it to reach our heart our heart space yeah. you know it's like um the the dbt skill Mary that that I think you've taught me of uh, um, opposite to emotion action is that sometimes putting yourself in the way of joy, um, it may not immediately, um, yes. in, but I think that the kind of the relationship between ourself and ourself, you know, to do like some like internal family system stuff, like we've got that a pusher part of us that pushes us through life and the part that's really hurt. And there's a lot of distrust, I think, sometimes between our hurting part and the part of us that says, you just got to push through, you just got to move on. And, and that's where a lot of anxiety comes from. The hurting part knows is never going to quit hurting. You know, there's always going to be pain, but if that pusher part doesn't like stop and, and turn around and pay attention and say, honey, I see you, you know, like Thich Nhat Hanh says, darling, 
I care about your suffering. And that's what he says to himself. And the first time I read that, that, I was like, that's crazy talk. You call yourself darling. Like I call myself some things, but it's (laughs) (laughs) well, he is the sweetest. Yeah. 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 And I really have taken, you know, on some of his language and this reminds me of, I was listening uh, to two gals, they're twins. They co-wrote a book and I'm not going to go too much into it now, but one of the things that they talk about is that they read this woman, her name is Kate Mann. And, um, she talks about this, um, this cultural, um, this woman moral obligation, like this moral obligation of a woman is to be pretty and calm and generous and, when we break that rule, you know, and there's nobody around to punish us, then we'll just do it ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that pusher part is the part of us that is, that says, Hey, no, you've got an obligation here, lady, like, you know, put on some lipstick, slap on a smile, go on out there, you know, check somebody's mail and feed their cat while they're out of town. You know what I mean? Whatever it is, it's, yeah. it's that, you know, and, and there is a, um, you know, there's a collective consciousness around that, you know? Uh, so, I mean, oh my gosh, Mary, why do you get the great peeps? What do you mean? I, I, everybody gets the great peeps. I can now. be your peeps. I, I'd be happy to be yeah. I, I mean, I mean, I Susan, we did have talking about a me. dinner or two. We did have a dinner or two. Mm-hmm. It might have been a decade ago, but I, I feel like it, you know, sustained us. I mean, we yes. had such a good time that it's carrying <laughs> us through. So, yes. and, yes. and, um, and just everybody listening, my peeps, I do love you and you are awesome. Cause I can, <laughs> I can feel right. like some of my peeps who are listening like, oh really? And what am I chopped level? Okay. Um, so this, uh, as always, has been an amazing, amazing conversation. You know, I just am so grateful for your presence and consciousness. Like I, I almost like listening to you was a little bit like getting a hug. And yeah. so I'm just really grateful. I'm grateful that you would come and, and share yourself and your light with us. And I can't wait to do it again. See, I'm assuming the sale. I'm assuming you're coming back. Not even Absolutely. Asking. Any, any, any time. And, and thank you guys for, um, for letting me be on. And, and if you're listening and you're interested in self compassion, if you Google up like Kristen Neff or Chris Germer, um, you'll, they have a wonderful website that has lots of resources. And how about you? If they wanted to find you, are you, are you un, unfindable? Are you um, I'm not unfindable. I I'm in private practice here in Columbia at Live Oak Counseling Center. So Live Oak Counseling that's Center. That's where I am. Yes. Can we say your last name, Susan? Yelverton. Yes. Yes. So say Yelverton. it one more time for us. Susan Yelverton. Yeah. Susan Yelverton in private practice there in um, Columbia, South Carolina, my hometown. Woo-woo. Well, it has been wonderful. Everybody, you have been listening to True and Unpolished, the podcast. Let's see what happens next.